Welcome to the AT Parenting Survival Podcast, where you get help and guidance through the chaos of parenting a child with anxiety or OCD. This show is for educational purposes and is not intended to replace the guidance of a qualified professional. Here's your host, child therapist, Natasha Daniels. Well, hello there, and welcome to another episode of the AT Parenting Survival Podcast. Today, I want to talk to you about your child's behavior. A lot of times with anxiety or OCD, and in general, so this is kind of a general parenting topic, and it is also very pertinent to those of us that are raising kids with anxiety or OCD, because our kids can have difficult behavior. And when our kids have difficult behavior, it can be really hard to manage, it can be hard to parent, and it can have an impact on us. So I want to talk today about taking the behavior personally. I feel like there's got to be like not a human being on this planet who hasn't at one time or another, if they're raising kids, taken their children's behavior personally. Because we're all human. We're going to do that at times. Some of us do it more than others. And today I want to walk you through some of the reasons and not all of the reasons, obviously nothing can be exhaustive, but some of the reasons why we take it personally, and that will be different for each one of us. I'm going to outline a couple of the ones I thought about, and then I want to talk to you about why it doesn't help to take it personally. And that aspect of this podcast episode is not a, let's take time to beat ourselves up. (laughs) It is more of maybe like a motivation of why should I work on this? What is the ripple effect of me taking it personally? So I'll go over a couple of different reasons. And then, you know, I never like to leave you hanging. I always like you to leave anything I talk about with some concrete approaches and skills. And so we're going to talk about how to create that space between you and your child's behavior so that you are able to respond with intention and with some purpose that actually will wind up helping your child. So that is a pretty comprehensive outline of what I'm going to be talking about today. But before I get started, a couple of announcements. First, I would like you to know that this podcast episode is sponsored by NoCD and NoCD offers affordable, effective, convenient therapy available in the U.S. and outside of the U.S. in many other countries. You can schedule your free 15-minute consultation to see if NoCD is the right fit for you and your child. You could just go to treatmyocd.com. That is treatmyocd.com. And and I've been mentioning this lately to circle back with them if you have reached out in the past because they are getting new providers all the time. So if it's been a while, definitely check back with them because their network providers are growing, which is amazing. Okay. And the last announcement I want to let you know before we get started is today is Tuesday, December 14th, 2021. For those of you that are listening to this not in the replay library. And the AT Parenting community is open right now. So I always like you to know when those moments happen because they don't happen often. I open the doors to my AT Parenting community about four times a year. Sometimes if the wait list gets too heavy, I open it in between. But this is one of the four times per year and it closes on Thursday, December 16th. So I open it very for a short little window, Monday through Thursday when I do open it. So if you are interested in joining the AT Parenting community, it is a membership community. The membership is $30 a month. And for that, you get 
kind of a ridiculous amount of stuff for free. And so if you want my ongoing support in depth, I'll get to know you. The community will get to know you. We have over a thousand parents in the AT Parenting community and you get free access to over $300 worth of my courses. So that in and of itself makes no sense not to join if you wanted to take one of my courses because each one of my courses are $127. So that's nice. And I always recommend that members take the course that they get access to for free so they have a foundational knowledge and the community supports them deeper because I go in there and I teach every single Friday and they vote on the topic that they need. And so I teach. So you're getting the courses, you're getting me teaching. You can watch the replays on the member website. You get access to a member website that is separate from my regular public website. And so you, you get a password and you log in and you have a library to hundreds and hundreds of hours of videos. But on top of that, some people don't even care about any of that. They don't care about the classes or the videos. They actually just want the Zoom support group call. And so once a month, we do a Zoom support group call, and we actually have Zoom support group calls for the kids too. And even that by itself for $30 a month is huge value because support groups cost money too when they're being run by a therapist. And so the access to those support group calls are gold. And then lastly, some people just want access to me. And so as a member, you get access to the forums on the member website. And so when you log in, there are forums and you can post questions. And I have ongoing conversations with many members where they'll, they you know can't access the therapist or they want more support for themselves or they're hitting a bump or their child's not motivated. And so they can post questions in there directly to me. And I reply Monday through Friday and we have ongoing conversation and I, I coach them and support them in that way. So if any of that sounds interesting to you, you can hop over to atparentingcommunity.com and I look forward to getting to know you better. Okay, let's talk about this topic, which I think is really important. And I do also want to say, sorry, I forgot one thing. If you are not listening to this in real time, you can get on the wait list and then you're the first to be notified when the doors open again. So even if you go there and it says, join the wait list, join it, and there'll be another time for you to join. Okay, enough of that. I'm so sorry. I just want to talk about this behavior stuff. So let's first talk about why we as parents often take it personally. And these are going to be different. So the first one, the one that I'm going to say that resonates with you is kind of, you know, you know that that's the area that you have to work on, right? So the first one is you might say it reflects poorly on my parenting. So when my kids are acting out or my child's having disruptive behavior, then it makes me feel like I'm not doing my job and I'm trying all these things. I'm educating myself. I'm listening to podcasts, blah, blah, blah. And my child's just not responding. And so I'm taking it personally because that poor behavior or that difficult behavior is like a mirror and it's reflecting back at me. And I see, I see failure and I see failure on me. I'm a failure. So my child acts out or they're having difficult behavior. I'm a failure. And so I'm going to approach that behavior with some hostility because I don't like to feel like a failure. Okay. That's the first one. I typically don't have that one. I'm going to, I'm going to like psychoanalyze me as we go through this just for fun. The second one is other people will judge me. Now this one kind of resonates with me. So if my kids have difficult behavior in front of other people, that will trigger my social anxiety. 
And so I don't want people to judge me. And even if you don't have social anxiety, it can be embarrassing. And again, you know, the narrative that we're telling ourselves is people are going to think I'm not a good parent, or people are going to think I can't get my kids under control, or people are going to think that my child's a horrible kid because they don't fully understand them and they're seeing this difficult behavior. And so that can also make us feel overwhelmed and want to shut that down. Okay, definitely have that one. The third one is my child isn't grateful. What an ingrate. You know, I took them here or I got them this or I did this or I'm here all the time. Whatever it is, I blah, blah, blah. And my child's not grateful. They're wanting more or they're acting out or we went to this really nice place and now they are having a meltdown. And so to me, it says they're not appreciative of what I'm giving them, whether it's my time, my love, or something physical. Okay, that is the third one. I do sometimes teeter on that, and we'll talk about that. I'm going to give you some examples in a little while. And then the last one, and this is obviously not comprehensive. These are just the ones that came to my to my mind as I was brainstorming what to talk about. The last one is, my child doesn't like me. So if my child's having difficult behavior and they say horrible words, which a lot of times they do because they don't have a lot of control, they don't have anything to throw back at you. They feel powerless. And so when our kids feel powerless, the only thing they have are their words and their poop, (laughs) you know, and their eating, right? Those are really the three things that they can truly control is what they say to you. And then, you know, if they, if they're younger they're going to like hold their poop and, you know, or not pee or not get, not get potty trained. That's a totally separate topic, but it is something they can control and eating, you know, I'm not going to eat. And obviously a lot of people have more eating disorders and other things and ARFID that aren't related to that, but you can't make me eat this broccoli. I'm going to like, you know, tighten my mouth up, but we're not talking about that kind of stuff, but I just want to throw that in there. And so that can be upsetting. So our kids can say things like, I hate you. You're the worst parent. I've gotten, which is, I find them kind of comical because this one is not one of my trigger points. But um, when my kids say, I can't believe you're a therapist. I can't believe people pay you for, because sometimes I'll jokingly say, I'm giving you gold here. People pay for this stuff. <laughs> you know, we have kind of a sarcastic, humorous uh, family environment. And so sometimes when they're angry, not often, but sometimes they'll say things like, I can't believe you're a therapist or, and people pay you for this. And for for you, you might get stuff like, I hate you. You're the worst parent ever. Or I can't believe I have to have you as my mom. You know, kids will say hurtful things. And again, it's because when they're losing all that power and control, their words are pretty much all they have. And they weaponize them sometimes because they feel hopeless or they feel like they have nothing else, but that can hurt us. So You want to look at the things that I just listed and say, hmm, which one resonated with me? Or maybe you're saying, oh, I can think of a totally different one. And that's my trigger point. And so we want to focus on what it is about the difficult behavior that you do take personally. So for me, when with the ones that I listed, because I can't think of any others, and I'm sure there are others for sure, is people will judge me. So I am a lot less tolerable of negative behavior when it's outside of our home or when it's around other people. Although I'm working on that. And so because that is an issue, I have to work on my social anxiety, right? If I think it reflects poorly on my parenting, then I have to work on my concept of, you know, that that my parenting 
will dictate my child's behavior or anxiety or OCD 100%. Like they're a puppet. Like I do A and then they should do B. And if B is not working, then A is something, there's something wrong with A. And that's not always the case. Um, and we're going to go into that because that's, that's uh, incorrect belief systems where you think that you have a hundred percent control over your child's difficult behavior or their anxiety or OCD. You are a component. You might be doing all the right things behaviorally to help them. And they still are having difficult behavior because it's not about you and it's not about your parenting. Yeah. Parenting does have an impact but not a 100% ratio, right? And so are you over, I'm trying to think of what the right word is. You know, the ratio is over the top of what is reasonable. You're not 100%. If we were 100%, you know, that'd be really nice (laughs) because I'd be like, boom, I'm doing all the things that the textbooks say. And so your behavior should be perfect. Or I'm doing all the things that the textbooks say for anxiety and OCD. So boom, it should be gone. No, there are other things in the mix, right? There's physiological issues, there is biochemistry, there are disorders, there are environmental factors, there are personality attributes, so many other things that are going on that have nothing to do with your parenting. Okay, let's see, what was the other one? My child isn't grateful. So sometimes that is a little bit of what I call ghosts in the nursery. So ghosts in the nursery is kind of a a term, and I think it's actually a book that I was trained on in infant and toddler mental health. And it's like what we take from our childhood. And so If we had a rough childhood, and it doesn't have to be this way, but for me, the trigger point for me is I had more of a lack in my childhood, not, I'm sure there's a gazillion people who had less than me and worse than me. You know, there's always someone who had something better and someone worse, no matter what we're talking about, but we didn't have a lot in my childhood. And so, you know, a lot of us who didn't have a lot in our childhood say we want We want our kids to have more. We want our kids to have better. We want our kids to have maybe better parenting. We want them to have better experiences. Maybe physically, we want them to have better toys and better trips and a better house and better food, all of that. And so when our child seems like they're not grateful, that can stir up some of our own childhood wounds and say, when I was your age, I didn't have blah, 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 blah. And you're being like an ingrate. And so it triggers our lack from our past and our kids, they don't know any different. They don't have contrast and that's not their fault, right? Because we're providing them with, with more, they don't know what less is. So that is definitely one of my trigger points. So the judging and the gratefulness, we'll talk about that. And then the last one is my child doesn't like me. And so the work that has to be done on that one is why do I have to have my child like me a hundred percent of the time? What is that about? And you want to do this and you want to process all of these things without judgment because self-compassion is incredibly important, but we have to grow. So just like we want our kids to grow, and sometimes we have to tell them to do things in a different way in order to evolve and become all that they can be, it's the same thing for our parenting. We have to be insightful and we have have to look at our own behavior and process that and say, that's interesting. You know, have some curiosity and say, that's interesting. Why do I need my child to like me 100% of the time? Can any child like a parent 100% of the time? And if they do, there's going to be something very unhealthy about that relationship because we can't like someone 100% of the time. Sometimes they annoy us. Sometimes they irritate us. That's just being human beings, right? But that might be another ghost in the nursery kind of situation that maybe you have a history 
in your background of not feeling liked or feeling loved. And that might be in your childhood, might be from your parents, it might be from your peer group growing up, it might be from life, but it might be from yourself that you're not worthy, that I'm only worthy when I get love from others, including my child. And so when my child takes that away because they're having difficult behavior and vocalizes or acts out and says that they don't like me, that wounds me because I need that validation. And that's work to be done because we don't want our child's acceptance or non-acceptance of us in any brief moment to define us and define our parenting and define our worth. We don't want anyone to define our worth, right? And so that's the inner work that you would do, whether you do that with a therapist or you, you just process this. Sometimes it's just bubbling it up to the surface and being like, interesting. Okay, I need to, I need to think about that. Okay, so I'm going to talk about the obvious stuff, why it doesn't help to take it personally. Well, when you make it about you and not them, it clouds your judgment. And when your judgment is clouded, you are going to respond with emotion and not with intention. We are all going to respond with emotion some of the time. I do. I know you do. None of us are Mother Teresa. I say that a lot, right? And then I say Mother Teresa didn't have kids, right? So that's human. But it's, it's the process of showing up every day and saying, I'm not going to make this about me. I'm going to make this about them and not in a negative way. And I'm going to talk about how to do that. And so we don't want to respond out of anger, out of hurt. Um, we want to respond out of intention. When, what does that mean? Because it sounds like such a weird thing to say. I want to respond in a perfect world, right? So if you do this 30% of the time, 40% of the time, you're doing amazing, right? So just to put that in perspective, because I don't want you to beat yourself up tomorrow or next week and say, oh my gosh, I'm not responding out of an intention. <laughs> if you can do that less, you know, like not even half the time, but 30, 40% of the time, you're rocking it because most people are not even thinking about it and they're always responding out of emotion and they are never responding out of intention. So give yourself some wiggle room to grow and develop this muscle. And the last one for why it doesn't help to take it personally, besides the obvious, right, is you're actually losing an opportunity to teach and you're losing an opportunity for your child to learn. And it's in those opportunities when they're having a difficult time, whether it is through difficult behavior or actually through difficult time with anxiety or OCD, that's the time where there's a learning opportunity. It doesn't feel that way, especially when we're tired and frustrated and our child is just you know, having a meltdown, but that is a window of opportunity, believe it or not. And so I want to talk about how to create space between you and your child's behavior so that you can make that a learning opportunity. So the first one is you want some space, like literal space. (laughs) You want to pause. Often we have knee-jerk reactions. And so you say this, or you're acting this way, and I am like, boom, on top of you. And I am, I'm responding without even a thought. I'm not thinking about what's going on. I'm not thinking about how I'm going to respond. I'm like, stop doing that. Stop hitting your brother. Come over here. And you know, and I'm I'm just parenting out of emotion, which I think is the majority of parents. I think most of us don't pause and think, how am I going to respond to this? Especially when it's difficult behavior. If you've been listening to me for a while and you've taken some of my anxiety or OCD courses on how to parent kids with anxiety or OCD, you might approach their anxiety and OCD in a much more intentional way, because I train you to do that, right? So you might pause and say, okay, they're having an intrusive thought or they're 
having a fear, what's my next step? And it, it will become pretty intuitive pretty fast and it becomes your, your new parenting. But for difficult behavior, that becomes trickier because that, that often triggers us a lot more often and a lot more intensely at times than their anxiety or OCD, where we can really separate that. So you want to pause. And sometimes you're not going to be able to get away from your child. And sometimes it doesn't warrant that. You might lose the opportunity, but you want to have that space. If you feel like you are way revved up, it might be good to physically walk away for a second. Go regroup, go to your closet. <laughs> you know, I've been talking about my closet. It's the place I cry for my husband. <laughs> it's very sad. But go go to your place, wherever, even if it needs to be like the bathroom or wherever, and just try to regroup. If you can't physically get away, put some headphones on for a minute, close your eyes and just, you know, put your finger out like I just need a second. But that pause, if possible, is very helpful. And then even if you can't have that pause, you can do this, what I'm about to talk about after the fact. So let's say you have a really nasty encounter with your child and you are feeling like you didn't handle it the best way that you could. It's never too late to reflect back and learn something afterwards. We are always learning. Uh, As parents, we don't stop learning. You can look back at a situation and say, oh my gosh, what was that about? And then you can do some corrective stuff. And I'll talk about that in a second, but let's move on from there. So you pause however way you can. And then you want to ask yourself, and all of this can happen in a millisecond, but I'm going to break it down. What is causing this behavior? Besides the things that I'm taking personally, what are are some other options? Why are they taking, why are they having this difficult behavior right now? And then what does, what skill or life lesson does my child need right now? And then how can I help them learn or use that? So it's three processes, right? What's causing this behavior? What life lesson or skill does my child need right now? to help them with this? And how can I help them learn that? Because you you may not always be able to help them learn that. So I'm going to give you some concrete examples. Then we can talk about if you have a bad experience, how do you go back and do some corrective stuff? And I'm going to give you some weird ones. So the other day, actually this past weekend, my daughter has been having issues with downtime. And so actually I could give you two examples related to her that are tied together. I'm going to just talk about this first one. So she was, she woke up on Saturday or Sunday. Let's just do Sunday. She woke up like this on both days. It was really grumpy. And so I'm like, hey, good morning. And she's like, mm. I'm like, what's the matter? Nothing. You okay? Yeah. <laughs> you know, and she's already in a bad mood. And then eventually she's like, it's so boring. We have nothing planned. My life is so boring. I don't going to do. I hate the weekends. I hate when we don't have any plans. And so it triggered it was a trigger point for me going back to why we take things personally. My child isn't grateful, right? I've been taking my kids on crazy trips. Uh, if you follow me or you listen to my podcast, I've been sharing what we've been doing. So we just got back from Alaska. We're actually going to Key West in a, in a few weeks. Um, we've been to Utah. We've hiked the Narrows. We you know, camped out in the Grand Canyon. We went to Alaska and we're trying to see the Northern Lights. Like, ridiculous year because we're grieving and I'm trying to like live in the moment. And this is, this is kind of my grief process is balance. And well, we don't have to get into all that, but I was getting concerned that I'm spoiling my kids because they lost their dad this year. And so, you know, a lot of people sent gifts and there's just been a lot of doting 
which, you know, is totally understandable. But I worried about my youngest because I felt like she's like thinking this is normal. So her response, I took personally, right? And so in the past, because this has been going on for a little while, I got annoyed and I would say to her things like, so I responded, my knee-jerk response was, you know, you've been wined and dined. And then I'll say, do you know what that expression is? Because my kids get, you know, I don't drink alcohol. And so they're like, wine, beer, you know, and I was like, as an expression, but you've been wined and dined. You've been taken to Alaska. You've been like taken to all these amazing places this year. And I think you're getting spoiled because even when my kids had any need or want or showed an interest in something, you know, if she had an art project she wanted to work on, I'd buy it on Amazon. Or if my son wanted a rock collection, I'd buy it on Amazon because, you know, it's been a rough year. And so I, I said to her, you've been keeping everything. And, you know, that doesn't go well because then it makes her feel guilty. And she, you know, has a thing going on right now with a little bit of moral OCD where she thinks she's a bad person. So then she's like, I'm so spoiled and I'm not grateful. And so I made it worse, right? No life lesson there. But fast forward, she said that again this weekend, and I've given it some space. And so I have reflected, and this is what I'm talking about. It doesn't have to happen in the moment. I reflected, and I, and sometimes I need space to reflect. And I said, why is she acting like that? And then I thought back to, she's been having really difficult behavior in the shower. And so here's another example. We'll just continue to give you some concrete examples. She doesn't want to take a shower. And I said, you have to take a shower. I don't ask much of you, but go take a shower. And she's like, I don't want to take a shower. It's boring. So again, I'm thinking, what an ingrate. Like you have to be like entertained 24 seven, you know? And so my knee jerk reaction is to say, okay, you know what? No iPad or electronics for a week, because obviously your brain needs to experience some downtime. And that's when she started to say, you know, in the shower, I think about dad and it makes me sad. I think about my OCD and I think I don't like the thoughts I have. I have bad thoughts. Now it did take me a while to get that out of her because I had to go through the whole thing of what's the hardest part about taking a shower, you know, and it's boring. You know, I got like some throwaway answers and then I had to go deeper and say, I get it's boring, but besides that, what's the hardest part? Because you're really, you're really pushing back to not take a shower more than you normally do. So what's up with that? And that was because I had some space. I didn't do that the first time she gave me a difficult time taking a shower. It was after I saw a little bit of a pattern. If I could have had more intention in the beginning, I might have saved myself and her some unnecessary exhaustion, but I didn't because most of us don't. And so I just continued with that. And she just said, I don't like, I don't like my thoughts. I don't like to be with my thoughts. Well, that's an anxiety, no CD and grief thing, right? And I realized after that, that she does. She always has her iPad. She's always tuned into something. She's distracting herself all the time. And so then we had a really good conversation about it, how you can't distract yourself from your thoughts and you have to go through your emotions. You can't clog them up because when you clog them, clog them up, they're, they're going to bubble up to the surface because eventually that clog grows and grows and grows until it bursts and it can come out in ways that you don't want it to come out. And so we developed a plan. I said, what can you do about this? What will help? And we got music in the shower so that she could have some music and that worked. And so now I don't have as much pushback when I tell her to take a shower. I just say, do you want my phone for the music? And over time, she said, no, I don't want the music. I want the silence. I need to learn how to sit with this discomfort, which is amazing. So that's an example. Let me give you another behavior. I'll give you a generic one. Um, let's say your child doesn't want to go to sleep. And so at bedtime, they start to rev up and they start to talk back to you and they start to you know, create a scenario that causes conflict. 
a lot of times you might just be, and that's the time when we're the most exhausted. And so you might back up and say, you know, they're all their fears are heightened at night. And so many kids with anxiety and OCD have more compulsions at night, more intrusive thoughts at night, the dark fear of separation. If they have any kind of intrusive thought, which everybody with OCD does, whether it's sensory motor, I have to pee, I have to pee again, that's my daughter, or did I harm someone today? Or am I going to harm someone today? Did I touch anything that was contaminated? All of that stuff, and it will be different for each one of our kids, pops up a lot more at night. And so you might have a child that's really difficult behavior and is acting out. And if you just discipline that, you know, I'm going to take your iPad away, or I'm going to, you know, you're not going to have that play date with your friend, or we're missing a learning opportunity, which is I need to build their skills up. And that's really where we want to go. I'm not going to teach you how to do that in this quick podcast because that would be hours and hours long. And that's what I have courses for. But that's instead of disciplining it, you want to, you want to actually target the thing, the underlying thing that's happening underneath that difficult behavior. And there's, there's always something underneath that difficult behavior that is happening. I'll give you one last example. And my examples may not are probably not your examples, but they at least help you visualize what I'm talking about. So my son, we'll end with him. He's way into virtual reality right now. Um, So I got a VR headset for me so I could meditate. There's actually this really cool app called Trip. Have you ever heard of it? T-R-I-P-P. And like it's because I don't meditate well. And so it actually like will breathe in with you and breathe out with you in these beautiful worlds. And it's actually very, very cool. And so I got a VR headset for me. But then I have a bad neck and it was like heavy on my head. (laughs) So I stopped using it every day because it was actually causing me some pain. And my son took it over. It actually turned out to be a really good thing in a very weird way because he is building his social skills through VR because he's playing with other kids and kids trash talk and I can hear them. And he has to learn how to handle that. And he's really building up his resiliency because in real life, like at school, he can't handle that. And I'm seeing that he is able to handle that. So total side note, but that's actually like incredibly therapeutic. However, when I tell him to get off, sometimes he gets really angry about that. And so I might say to him, Hey, you know, you have five more minutes or 10 more minutes. I give him a warning. And the games that he plays are really brief. They're like five, 10 minute, like almost like a chase kind of game that he plays. I have no idea. And so Finally, I'll get five more minutes and then I'll say, okay, you have to get off, you know, dinner's ready or it's time for bed or whatever. And sometimes he'll say, nope. Or he'll whisper like, um, I'm trying to think what he'll whisper. Something like, because other people can hear him, right? So he'll be like, shut up or no, I'm not going. And he doesn't normally talk like that at all, or I'm not going to get off. Or, and so I could take that personally, right? Like I could say, oh my gosh, that's reflecting poor on my parenting. Or I could parent out of fear that if I don't, this is another actually reason why I could take it personally. Now that I'm thinking about it, I'm alone now, right? I'm a widow and, you know, I have this growing adolescent and there is a voice in the back, back of my head that says, will you be able to control him if he gets physical or will you be able to handle him now that you don't have somebody else in your house, you know, your a husband in your home. And because, you know, my dad, this is ghost in the nursery kind of stuff. You know, my dad had bipolar with psychosis and could get a bit aggressive, not crazy aggressive, but you know, he got aggressive uh, periodically. And there is that little whisper in my head that says, you can't let anything go because you got to nip that in the bud. So that's a fear. That's a fear belief. And we don't want to be driven by fear. And so 
in the past, I would respond with a lot of hostility. Like, don't you dare talk to me like that. Get off now. You're going to lose VR forever. Um, and I would, I would bark at, back at him, embarrass him, right? Because they can't hear me, but he thinks they can. He's upstairs in the loft, but, and he'd come down in a really angry mood and I would be really angry. And now we're angry together. And that's really not helpful. Instead, again, this is one of those things where I had some insight after a few times. And I said to him, when he wasn't in that moment, I said, it's really disrespectful. First of all, we never say shut up to anyone. I never, I never say shut up to you. And I don't expect that you should say shut up to me because it's just disrespectful and it hurts my feelings. And I want to let you play, you know, all the way up until dinner or all the way up until bedtime when you have free time. But if you have a hard time getting off, I'm going to have to reassess that because I know that sometimes transitions are hard. And so if you need a little space before dinner or before bedtime so that you get off and then you have maybe 20, 30 minutes before we eat or before you go to bed, then maybe that's what you need. And of course, he's like, no, mom, I don't need that. Mom, I'll get off better. I promise. And we had a calm conversation about it. And now, one, he never talks like that to me again. But two, when I say you have five minutes, okay, you have to get off. I've been really impressed because he's like down in a minute because he, he wants to show me that he can transition. And so the skill, the life lesson that he needed is to learn how to transition. His transitions were the problem, not me, not my parenting, his transitions. Sometimes our kids, their issue is self-regulating. It's not us. They don't know how to self-regulate. With my daughter and feeling like she's not grateful, it wasn't about that. It wasn't about that she wasn't appreciative of all the things that we've been doing. It wasn't about our trips. It was about that she couldn't handle her thoughts. And downtime overwhelmed her because her thoughts got loud. And so we needed to work on that. That was the life lesson. That was the skill that she needed to build. So I want you to think about when the next time your child has some difficult behavior, and I want you to say, what is this behavior needing? What is this about? If it wasn't about me, which it isn't, um, even if they make it about you, it's not about you. And what, what life lesson or skill can I help them with? And maybe not in that moment because they might bark at you and bite your head off, but in general, what thing do I need to address? And that's the area you want to go to. So I hope you found this helpful. If you want more information on this, I actually do have an entire course on this called How to Help Your Child's Difficult Behavior Caused by Anxiety or OCD. So it's specifically for a child who has anxiety or OCD, and you can check that course out. That course has videos for you as a parent, and I go through in depth. I think it's a a three-hour course, but they're videos. They're very short, so you can watch a video here and there, and you'll be done with the course in no time. What I did for this particular course is I also made videos for your kid. And so I wanted to talk directly to your child about their behavior and build their skills directly. So I help you and then I actually help you help them by having a video that you can show your child. So I hope that helps. The other cool thing that I actually do with this class that I don't do with actually any of my other classes is I have a teen video for, you know, talking about their difficult behavior and I have a kid's video. And so the age range is really broad because if you have an older child, like a teenager, it's not babyish. I have a kid, I have a video for them. And then if they're younger, I have a kid video. So that is pretty helpful too. So if you're interested in that, you can go to my online school at atparentingsurvivalschool.com and check that out. And I hope that that helps you. All right. Well, if 
you are enjoying the podcast, don't forget to hit a star on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, wherever you consume your podcasts. I appreciate that. And if you have a few extra minutes to write a review, that is greatly appreciated as well. I always like to end my podcast reading one of them. And so I want to thank Smiley Wendy for writing a review. She wrote an amazing resource. Um, She did a lot of A's, so that's why I did that. I found this podcast after searching for parenting groups on Facebook and participating in the AT Parenting Group for a year or so. I had no idea it was run by a child therapist. That kind of upsets me (laughs) when she said that. I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm not doing a good enough job letting people know who I am in my own group or that this podcast existed until a parent recommended it in a comment. I guess I'm clueless. No, you're not. I'm not. That just tells me I'm not doing a good enough job um, sharing my free resources. Now I'm learning so much from Natasha Daniels and her podcast. I have read a lot about anxiety, but I'm learning a lot more. I'm starting to use Natasha's ideas and techniques with my kids, and it's totally helping. I highly recommend this amazing podcast. Well, thank you. I really appreciate you, Wendy, for taking the time to leave a review. And maybe if you have something nice to to say, I'll be reading your review next time. Uh, Also, don't forget to check out the AT Parenting Community. That is a separate group from my free public Facebook group. And we actually have a member-only Facebook group, which is much smaller than my, I don't know, 27,000 members over in the public group. And we are a nice smaller group and then we can support each other. So I hope to see you over there at the AT Parenting Community. And you can find out more at atparentingcommunity.com. Don't forget to find the sparkle in everything you do. I'll talk to you again next time. Take care. Thank you for listening to the AT Parenting Survival Podcast. To get additional support raising a child with anxiety or OCD, visit Natasha's online school of on-demand classes at atparentingsurvivalschool.com.